A lot of people have questions about their bodies that they never bring up to their doctors. They just seem too silly. Things like, can I lose a contact lens behind my eye? Why do people have dimples? And one of Dr. James Hamblin's favorites, why do people experience itching? I wanted to start with some of these seemingly trivial questions. And the point of the answer is to show that something that seems like it should have an easy explanation just doesn't. We don't understand it. And historically, it has often been chalked up to mental illness in a lot of people who keep coming back to their doctor saying they're itching, they're itching, and the doctor can't find anything quote-unquote wrong with the person, can't diagnose any particular condition. Hamblin is a lecturer in public health at Yale School of Public Health and author of If Our Bodies Could Talk, a guide to operating and maintaining a human body. Just in recent years, we've seen a springing up of different academic centers, which are meant to be referral centers for people just suffering from itch of an unknown cause. And it's a great example of medicine being organized around what we used to think of as a symptom, but the main complaint of a person and trying to solve it that way. Uh, so bringing together neurologists, dermatologists, sometimes psychiatrists, people who study human physiology at a biochemical level, and trying to figure out this problem as opposed to taking a patient and having them jump around from, you know, go see the neurologist and go see the dermatologist, and no one is really tackling the problem itself. Hamlin says that problems like itching often get dismissed by doctors and loved ones. But if an itch is driving you crazy, it's serious to you. Maybe more serious than anybody thinks. There's a story of someone who had chronic itch for a long time. No one could figure it out. Ended up coming to one of these itch centers and had a tumor that was causing this imbalance. that was causing them to chronically itch. It was actually this sort of cultural bias toward itch as a non-serious thing that everyone experiences. And that was what the experts I spoke to said you know, might have caused people to overlook it and not take it seriously. And I don't want listeners to think that just because they're itching, that means they might have cancer. It doesn't, but it's a reminder that for a lot of people, it's a serious thing. Hamlin says sleep is another issue that people don't take seriously. Young doctors, for example, are forced to discount sleep during their residencies, working shifts that are 28 hours straight. You'd think they'd admit that they're impaired by the end of those long days, but Hamlin says denial is common. We all do it. We may be walking around like zombies, but we think we're just fine. It's sort of a blindness to our own impairment. And for me, it took extreme sleep deprivation, which I went through in medical training and all doctors do go through. After you've stayed awake for a 30-hour shift, you know, you've experienced some really eerie forgetfulness, some swings of mood and some possible bouts of feeling giddy or even delirious. And then you can really feel those effects. And when they're subtler, when you have gone consistently with only five or six hours of sleep and you should have been getting seven, a lot of people say, oh, maybe I'm a little tired, but I'm functioning fine. When in fact, they're forgetful, their reaction times are impaired and... <laughs> We may be so used to not getting enough sleep that we don't even feel impaired at all. However, you may be surprised to learn how long some people have gone completely without sleep. Hamblin says the record, as far as he knows, is 11 days. There were Stanford researchers overseeing this, what would not now be considered a safe experiment, but was at the time fully approvable. A teenager uh, stayed awake that long, and it raises the idea that while Seven hours tends to be the point around which we 
cluster where most people need a, right around seven hours, you do have this sort of bell curve and outliers who seem to be able to function just fine on much less sleep. But that doesn't mean that we should treat going without sleep as some feat of strength or accomplishment, which our society tends to do. You'd think anyone staying awake for a week and a half would suffer some pretty serious consequences. But Hamlin says this particular teenager was one of those mysterious outliers. According to reports of the time, this was in the 1960s, he had some mild impairments at certain points, but was generally fully conversant, beat one of the researchers playing pinball on something like the seventh or eighth night, so didn't at all seem like someone who was the walking dead, and then ended up sleeping, he said, for, I believe, 14 hours, and then got up and was fine. But isn't that the kind of stress on the body that makes people sick later? People are more likely to come down with a cold or the flu after a few sleepless nights. So many of them take megadoses of vitamin C or folk remedy immune boosters to try to stay well. But Hamlin says the effectiveness of most of those supplements is a myth. There are a lot of products out there, most of them in the dietary supplement realm, that claim to, yes, broadly boost the immune system. And while it may be possible to protect yourself from certain diseases like the flu by not shaking hands with someone who's contagious and by not having any particular immune deficiency like HIV, these products notoriously don't help with those things and potentially could hurt in that if you feel emboldened by the fact that you took a bunch of vitamin C and then you don't take the basic precautions of washing your hands and covering your mouth when you cough and getting enough sleep and eating well and all the things that generally improve our immune systems, then you can actually end up worse off. You can find out more about Dr. James Hamblin and all of our guests on our website, RadioHealthJournal.org. For more behind the scenes, search Radio Health Journal on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This segment originally aired March 2017 and was written and produced by Reed Pence. Our lead producer is Kristen Farah, and our production manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. And the doctor said, no way. He's like, I think you're fine. And I'm like, I'm really not. And if you think I'm fine, I'm going to go to another doctor. Are hormonal contraceptives triggering your autoimmune disease? Then do you feel pressure to go into work with a cold? These workers see their managers coming into work sick, so they feel obligated that, hey, if my manager comes to work sick, I can come to work sick. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. African-American horsemen never left the racetrack. They have always had a really significant role. The forgotten contributions of fearless horse jockeys like Isaac Murphy. Then... Once you cross the event horizon, your continued fall is inevitable. There is nothing you can do to halt your decline. Understanding the dark, mysterious abyss that is a black hole. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints.
And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.